Thanks for listening. The following is an audio presentation from High Country Christian Church. For more information, please visit www.highcountrychristian.com. Heart is so full, not only with what I've been meditating in all week in the Word of God, but also just in the presence of the Lord that's here tonight. Amen. This is one of those nights that, what, like Perry likes to say, if this don't light your fire, your wood's wet. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> this, is a, this is just an amazing move of God's Spirit that's already started happening. I, I love that we don't have to wait for God to move someday. <laughs> Amen. He's not a someday God. He's a right now, right here, was, is, and is to come kind of God. Amen. But um, as I was sitting while Sean was taking the offering up, I promise I wasn't not paying attention, but I was getting things dropped into my heart by the Spirit of God. And, you know, the Holy Spirit was speaking to me there on the front row just a moment ago and is saying, you know, there there is momentum in the things of the Spirit. And when you create any kind of momentum, the more momentum that you create, the harder it is to deviate from the course of momentum that you have begun. So when you begin to create momentum in a certain direction, it takes longer and harder for you to break that direction the the more momentum that you create. And there is absolutely, without a doubt, momentum in the spirit realm. Okay? We're not just living in a natural world. We're not just living in a natural realm. We live in a spirit realm. We're connected to an invisible kingdom, right? And so there is momentum in the things of the spirit. And so as this week progresses, what I would like for you to do is, of course, we want you to come, not just because we want people here to, to preach to, but we, we want to keep the momentum going in the spirit. And I mean that for the sake of the corporate gathering, but also mean it for your sake. If you were to come to all of the services this weekend, you're going to build so much momentum in the spirit that next week it's going to be harder for you to deviate into the flesh than it was. Yeah, it's going to be harder for you and I to deviate into the things of the flesh as we create momentum. So please take that as an encouragement. I want to see you here. I want to see you help us fill this place up. We've got, there's been a lot of people have been registering online and, uh, you know, they, they'll come and go as the weekend goes. So, um, but man, we're so honored that you're here tonight. We're so grateful that you've come and just taken your Friday night to be with Jesus. What, what better thing could there be to do than hang out with your best friend on Friday night? Amen? Amen. He's my best friend. Hallelujah. Uh, I believe I have a word from the Lord to share with you tonight. I also believe that I, that I have a word from God um, concerning our church, concerning High Country Christian Church and us going to another level with this conference. Amen. And I don't say, the reason I say that is because I don't take that concept lightly. It's real easy to just say, yeah, we're going to another level, you know. And that maybe becomes cliche and it doesn't mean anything to us anymore. But I significantly believe uh, from the times that I've been spending with God this week, I'm absolutely convinced that our church is moving to another level in the things of the spirit, in the things of outreach. We're going to see change. We're going to see development. Uh, You're going to grow. I'm going to grow. We're all going to grow. Amen. You scream, I scream. We all scream for ice cream. Amen. No, we're all going to grow. 
grow in the things of God together. We're moving in a direction that the Spirit of God is leading us. And so I know in my knower, in my gut, that we're going to move up in the things of God. Now, I want to read this to you. We had a time of prayer this morning or this afternoon. Uh, Seems like all I've been doing this week is praying. Kind of like that. Um, I... uh, this came up so strong in my spirit, and it's a, it's a word for our church. And if you don't go to this church, that's okay. Just take it as a word for you too. Amen? I believe when God speaks, it can affect anything. <clears throat> it, it, it only has to be received. That's the difference maker. Amen? So take this and, and, and run with it. The Lord spoke to me this afternoon and said, you're stepping forward into a new place and a new release. You've passed through the pruning phase, both within and without, and you're moving to a new place where labor gets easier and the fruit increases, where less work produces more fruit. It's a season of teams, no more individual efforts, no more individuals getting tired. It's a season of teams. Yeah, glory to God. I'll take that for me and mine, amen? You can take it for you and yours too, praise God. I believe God's doing so much in this conference and it's already begun and it's already evident, amen? How many of you are more blessed now than you were when you got here? Yeah, praise God. Yeah, amen, we are. Mm. Love to punch the devil right in the throat. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, if I saw him right now, I'd just karate chop that sucker and I would just, oh, it'd be awesome. Amen. Do a Holy Ghost round kick, roundhouse kick. Amen. All right. Here's what's on my heart tonight. My assignment in these conferences is to bring in amazing speakers and amazing people that know God and can bring the presence of God wherever they go. Uh, and, and my assignment is to turn them loose, but also part of my assignment is to preach on hope. So we've titled this conference, or God's titled this conference, Hope and Healing. Hope and healing, hope and healing, hope and healing is all we seem to talk about lately is hope and healing. And um, my, my assignment is to, to bring in spe- people that can speak and have the whole weekend to, to minister healing to you. But uh, the Lord really spoke to me last year and, 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 and said, you need to set the tone for the weekend and preach on hope every year. So until God says something else, that's what I'm going to do. And so we're so thankful that Aaron and Connie Jones are here with their sons. Uh, This is going to be an amazing weekend. It already is. But I want to talk to you for just a few moments about hope uh, and and, and just do my part to stir you guys up. Um, One thing the Lord spoke to me earlier this week, I wasn't praying. I wasn't, I was just minding my own business and God started talking to me. He said, that he wants to, what he wants to do in us this weekend is to continue to demonstrate the reality of all that Jesus did from the cross to the throne. And that's a word from the Lord, man. That thing just dropped in me. It was amazing. I was in my bathroom, if you want to know the context. Just getting ready, looking at myself in the mirror. And, and that's what he said. He said, I want, what I want to do with, with you and in you this weekend is to continue to demonstrate the reality of all that Jesus did from the cross to the throne. It's not, any, not, not that anything needs to be added to what Jesus did. We, we believe that, right? We, we believe Jesus paid it all, right? Didn't he do, didn't he do a good job? Right, amen. I mean, when I get to heaven, I want to high-five Jesus and say, you did such a good job. Lord, that was amazing. 
We, we were watching, we were paying attention, and quite frankly, that was amazing. Amen. We just love you so much. That was incredible. Amen. I believe Jesus will give me a high five when I get to heaven, don't you? I believe he's pretty cool. Amen. But uh, it's, not that, it's not that we need to add anything to what Jesus did. It's that God wants to continually demonstrate the profoundness and the completeness and the power of what he did. He, he didn't just demonstrate it once. Jesus only had to die once, but God wants to perpetually remind us of how powerful that death, burial, resurrection, and ascension actually was. And guess what? He's going to put on an eternal fireworks show from now until forever, and it's all going to point back to the power of the cross, the grave, the resurrection, and the ascension to the throne. All of eternity is going to revolve around the cross. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be so stinking awesome. It's going to be amazing. And so God doesn't, we don't need to add to what Jesus did, but we do need to understand that God wants to remind us of it all the time, and he wants to continually demonstrate it. So, so that demonstration might mean you get healed. That demonstration might mean you get, a, you get delivered. That demonstration might take on a thousand different, you know, manifestations in your life, and it's relative to what you need, number one, and it's relative, number two, to what you will expect from God. Amen. So I, uh, I, I said, Lord, what do you want me to title my message? How, how could I title my message? So if I had to come up with a title for my message, I would come up with this. You have a reason to hope. You have a reason to hope. You have a reason to hope. I've been teaching on hope, faith, and expectation for the past couple weeks uh, here on Sundays. And um, if you heard any of that, then you already know that hope in the Bible equals expectation. Hope in the Bible does not equal wishing. It's not, I hope my team wins the big game. It's, it's, I hope God does what he says he does. I, in other words, I expect God to do what he said that he was going to do. I hope the sun will come up tomorrow. Why do I say that? It's because I know the sun will come up tomorrow. Why? Because the sun has proven itself to me every day of my life. I can trust the sun to come up tomorrow right on time so I can expect it to be in its regular rhythm. If I can trust the sun that much, how much more can I trust my heavenly father who's never missed a date, man, who's never missed a moment, who's always on time, he's never failed, he's never lied, he's never confused, he's never, he never sleeps. He's constant and perfect, he's immutable and unchangeable, and he's phenomenal, and if I could trust the sun that much to be on time, how much more could I trust the God who made the sun and put it in its place? You see, so hope is about expectation. That's why we have a reason to hope. We have a reason to hope because God is who he said he is. Now I want to teach a little bit on this concept and just stir up our hearts regarding hope and healing and regarding what our expectations are for this weekend, I just want to kind of set the tone, okay? So I thought, okay, Lord, how am I going to set the tone for expectation? And the Lord started to speak to me about what this conference is all about. This conference this weekend is about two things. It's about an encounter with Jesus, number one. And number two, it's about impartation. 
It's about an encounter with Jesus, and it's about impartation. Now, if you've never heard the word impartation, I'll define it for you here in just a minute. <clears throat> Let me say this. It's the will of God for your life that you be established. Everybody say that. Just say established. 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 It's the will of God for your life that you be established. In fact, part of the reason that the church, the global church, the whole church of Jesus Christ, part of the reason that this church exists is for the establishing of the body of Christ in the earth. God desires for us to be established, to be rooted. I mean, think about how many times the scripture says something like rooted and grounded in the love of God. Think about how many times the scripture talks about a surety, a strong sense of establishment. He said, because he has set his love on me, therefore I will deliver him. What's that mean to set? In the Hebrew, it means to drive a nail into the wall and set it in place so that it ain't going nowhere. How many of you have ever been on the beach and seen a pier? Yeah? How many of you watched, like I have, Wave after wave after wave after wave hit that pier, and the wave breaks, not the pier. The wave shatters, not the pier. Amen? Come on, get, get that picture in your head for a second. Think about that for just a second, because that's what your life's supposed to look like. That's exactly what your life is supposed to look like, so rooted, so established, so firm in the things of God that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord lifts up a standard against it, and here you are, firmly rooted in the things of God, and the devil busts apart, not you. What would, what would happen if there was a collision with you and the enemy? Whew, what would happen? What if he fell apart instead of us? Oh, come on. What if he fell apart instead of us like a wave crashing into a pier? What if you were so established in the things of God that the devil got scared to encounter you? Yeah, I'll take that. Amen. Praise God. It's the will of God for us to be established. Now, one of the reasons, because we're talking about hope tonight, <clears throat> One of the reasons that people in our world have lost their sense of hope, you want to know why? Is that they are living lives that have not been established in God. They're, they're kind of like what James says when he says that an unstable man is double-minded. He's unstable in all his ways. They just kind of vacillate. They're like the wave instead of the pier. Isn't that a great analogy? I wish I could take credit for it. God told me everything I need to say tonight, so it's really on him. But one of the reasons people in our world have lost their sense of hope is that their living lives haven't been established in God. They live without the security of knowing who they are in Christ. Do you ever feel like your life itself was slipping through your fingers? Like you couldn't hold on to anything. Anybody ever felt like that? Listen, if you are, I'm not here to point you out. If you've ever felt like that, like I have, I'm not here to point you out. If you're going through a challenge right now, if you're going through a situation and a hardship, and you feel like life's slipping through your fingers, I'm not here to blow you up in front of everybody and embarrass you. I want to let you know that you might be living without hope. Do you ever feel like you couldn't be sure about anything? 
I'm going to tell you what, in this, in this age and in this world of information overload, it's difficult to be sure about anything if you're not intentional about being sure about what you believe. In this world where distraction and information and news and talking heads and friends' opinions and Facebook and Instagram and everything's being hurled at you, if you're not intentional to get rooted in what you believe, it's very difficult to be sure about anything. It's really true. If I've ever analyzed hopelessness in my own life, if I've ever dealt with hopelessness in my own life, it's always, I can always tie it back to me getting a hold of an opinion that wasn't the word of God. It was getting a hold of, a, of an opinion and just biting down on that bait for long enough to be pulled in a direction where I stopped being sure of who Jesus was. I stopped being sure of whether or not he loved me or whether or not he cared for me. And, and it's so easy to do in our culture, man, because there's so much opinion being shoved in our direction. Right? So if you feel like you're in kind of, you know, a blob of confusion... It's like the, did y'all ever see Get Smart? You remember the cone of silence? <laughs> you remember when he thinks he's in the cone of silence, he's not really in the cone of silence? I have hemorrhoids. You remember he's, he's, he thinks he's in the cone of silence, but he's not. You ever feel like you were in a cone of confusion, a cone of frustration, a cone of dissatisfaction? You might be living without hope, but it's okay. We know how to fix it. Amen. The doctor's in the house, man. And he's never lost a patient. Glory to God. Amen. Proverbs chapter 13. You've probably heard me quote this before. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. Said, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when desire comes, it's tree of life. <laughs> Hope deferred makes the heart sick. I've heard this because I grew up in preacher's house. In preacher's house, not house. (laughs) We're not in Canada. (laughs) Yeah, eh? Preacher's house, eh? Um, uh, My dad's from Canada, so that actually kind of works. But um, hope deferred makes the heart sick. I heard this my whole life. And I always understood it to mean this. Hope deferred, meaning the thing that I'm hoping for, is deferred or far away from me or just out of my reach. Have that, is that how you've thought of that before? Uh, if I don't get the thing I'm desiring, it makes my heart sick. That's not what this scripture means. It's not what the scripture means at all. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but the desire comes. When the desire comes, it's a tree of life. This scripture is not talking about someone who is expecting something that never comes. It's talking about a person who won't put their hope and expectation in God right now. They're deferring hope. It's not a deferring of the thing they're hoping for. It's a deferring of being willing to hope. It's not the result that's deferred. It's the hope. I call it the someday mentality. God has something good for me, just not right now. You know, when we all get on over into Beulah land, (laughs) right? When we all cross over in the sweet by and by. Oh, Lord. (laughs) I 
I grew up, I grew up Pentecostal, man. I grew up in, uh, in a Pentecostal wild church, and so we would hear those kinds of things. It's, you know, it's deferred. It's someday. God's going to do something good in my life someday. When I get married, someday. When I get to college, someday. When I get out of college, someday. When I have my first kid, that's when it's going to get good. Oh, when my marriage gets fixed, that's when it's going to get good. Oh, when I finally kick this disease to the curb, that's when I'll start living that's hope deferred. That's, that's meaning you're not, you're, you're the, it's, it's not the expectation, or excuse me, it's not the fulfillment of the thing that gets deferred. It's your willingness to expect. That getting deferred is the thing that makes the heart sick. Oh, you want to hear what the Holy Ghost said? Sure, it might be risky to hope, but it's deadly to defer. It might be risky to hope, but it's deadly to defer. Yeah, you might get hurt if you hope, but you'll die fruitless if you don't. I don't know about you. I don't want to go to my grave having said someday every day. (laughs) I don't, man. I don't want to get to the end and get up and stand before the Lord and say, Lord, that that was an interesting situation we had going on down there. I kept waiting for something cool to happen, uh, but, you know, you never did anything. Because God's just going to look back and say, you never expected me to do anything. And so I'm going to get to heaven empty-handed instead of going in, bringing in the sheaves. Instead of going with some fruit. Amen. How many of you want to start expecting God to do things right now? I'm not going to wait till tomorrow. It's not going to get better tomorrow. It's going to get better right now because God said that he would meet me at the point of my need. He said that he would take care of me. He said that he would heal me. He said that he would restore me. He said that he would strengthen me. He said that he would give me his power. He said that all these amazing things about himself, and I'm taking that to the bank and cashing that check tonight, friend. I'm not waiting till tomorrow. Amen? So God wants you to be established, and it takes hope. Amen? And part of God's process, watch this, part of God's process for establishing something is that he imparts himself into that thing. Part of God's process for establishing something is that he imparts himself into it. Think about Adam, the first man. Do you ever wonder if Adam was tall? I do. I wonder what Adam looked like sometimes. I, you know, I wonder, did he look like Fabio? <laughs> you know, the young people don't even know who Fabio is. <laughs> Anyways, did he look like McDreamy from Grey's Anatomy? I don't know. I wasn't there. But think about, think about this. When God created man, what did he do? He started with a lump of dirt. He started with something that had zero potential. He started with something that had zero potential, number one, and had zero purpose outside of him. <laughs> right? Yikes. Amen. Thank you for saying amen. You just encouraged me a lot. It's a, yeah, praise God. <laughs> amen. Oh, glory to God. I wish y'all knew what it was like to preach in front of preachers. But these aren't normal preachers. These are amazing people. Amen. <laughs> think, about, think about Adam. Think about Adam. Think about Adam. Amen. Think about Adam. Had no potential and had no purpose outside of God. 
He was just a lump of dirt. But when God breathed himself into Adam, the Bible says that Adam became a living being. The Hebrew says that he became a living soul. So he took on the characteristics of the one who breathed into him. That is called impartation. That's called impartation. So when God wanted to establish the human race, remember we're talking about how impartation leads to establishment. I'm going to get there in a second. I'm kind of jumping ahead, but it's good anyways. You just flow with the river and tell your head to shut up. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. When God wanted to establish something, remember what I just said, he always imparts himself into it. So when God wanted to establish the human race, he breathed into a lump of dirt. That's it. Do you realize God never breathed into another human being after that? Do you realize one breath from God was enough to populate the entire human race unending for all of eternity? Do you realize that if Jesus never comes back, which he's going to come back, but if he never came back, humanity would go on for eternity? Off of one breath? Off of one puff? That's all it took for God to create humanity, self-perpetuating, ad infinitum. All right? That's a $6 word for you, ad infinitum. Anytime God wants to establish something, he imparts himself into it. The Bible teaches us that God is immutable. That means he's unchanging. That means he's steady. Yeah, steady. I don't like the thought, you know, people think of us charismatics and they think we're kind of weird and flaky and harebrained and off the wall and, you know, got Bernie Sanders hair, you know, just, just you know, kind of, maybe I shouldn't have said Bernie Sanders, I should have said, how about Dr. Emmett Brown from uh, Back to the Future, anybody know who he is? He's wild hair, I was just thinking of the hair, there's nothing political about that at all. They kind of, people think charismatics are kind of wild and kind of weird. But the reality is that when you get a relationship going with the Holy Spirit, you get steady. You don't get flaky. You don't get weird. You get established. Amen? Now listen, we might shout and dance and run, and maybe that's odd to some people, but that's just us having fun with Jesus. That's like you and I going to a football game and painting our chest yellow for Appalachian and screaming every time they score a touchdown. You don't think that's weird, but somehow we come into church and lift our hands, hallelujah, and we, oh, the charismatics are here. <laughs> you know, the Pentecostals are in the building. It, it might be odd to some people, but that's okay. We're not intimidated by that. We love you anyways. We're just having fun with Jesus. Move the chains, move the chains, move, move, move. <laughs> Thank you, bro. Yeah, glory to God. He is immutable, he's unchangeable, he's steady. And when he wants to establish something, he imparts his immutability into it. I will. God is immutable. <laughs> Ooh. God is immutable. He's unchangeable. He's steady. And when he wants to establish something, that's the part of his nature that he imparts into the thing that he wants to establish, his immutability, his unchangeability. Go with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 1, verse 11. This is amazing. 
How am I doing on time? I did not even pay attention to when I started. Uh, you know what? It's my conference. I'm going to do whatever I want. Hallelujah. Amen. This is an old preacher thing right here. Put your watch on the pulpit. That's, that's how you know we're at a, a revival. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 1 verse 11 is amazing. If you know the book of Romans, you know that that's Paul's dissertation on the gospel. That's Paul's lecture, his thesis paper on the gospel. It's such a complete picture of the gospel. It's, it's possibly the most complete book in the Bible in terms of its message. I mean, it talks about everything related to the gospel from start to finish. <clears throat> it's a complete book, yet at the beginning of it, Paul makes this little tiny fragment of a statement that always catches my attention. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. Remember I said that when God wants to establish something, he imparts something into that thing he wants to establish? Paul, right at the beginning of his master thesis on the gospel, says as good as this letter is, what I really want to do is come see you so that I can impart something into you so that you'll really be established. Yeah, this letter's good. The gospel's amazing. It's going to do something incredible for you. But what would be really awesome is for me to actually get face-to-face -face with you and impart some gift into you so that you could be established. Impartation leads to the establishment of God. Watch this in the Living Bible. For I long to visit you so that I can impart to you the faith that will help your church grow strong in the Lord. Aren't you glad you're in a church tonight that believes in impartation? This is more than just giving a gift. Impartation is internal. Imagine if I could take something from within me and put it within you. That would be imparting. It changes the makeup of the one receiving the impartation. It rearranges the internal structure of the one receiving the impartation. Again, Adam was a lump of dirt before God breathed into him. He only became a human after God imparted. Now, why, why is this issue of impartation and establishment so important? Let me tell you why. It's because if the fact that Jesus is good has not yet been imparted to me and established within me, then I'll never expect him to be good to me. I'm going to say that one more time for those taking notes. If the fact that Jesus is good has not yet been imparted to me and established within me, then I'll never expect him to be good to me. Do you see how impartation and establishment is so critical to us expecting God to work within us? Do you see how you getting an impartation from Jesus is critical to you hoping and living a life of hope and expectation that God is actually good right now? 
I'm not waiting for him to be good when I get to heaven. I'm not waiting for a chariot of fire to scoop me up. I'm going to expect his promise, and I'm going to expect his goodness right now. And it is going to change my circumstance. You see, you and I have got to get to the place of no turning back. We sing this kind of stuff, but we don't actually believe it. Right? Come on. I mean, isn't that true? We sing that, you know, no turning back, no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. You, you know it. But do we really live a no turning back, no other option than God? If this doesn't work, I'm going to die attitude? We sure don't. We got options B through Z lined up. We got options B through quadruple Z lined up. What if, we, what if we put all that aside and we just said, you know what? I'm going to actually expect because God imparted his truth to me. So now I'm established. Now I can expect good to happen in my life. I want to give you an example of this. I'm actually almost done with my message. This is kind of fun. And then we're just going to minister. So you guys, we'll just maybe minister to people at the end. I know you didn't think you were going to do anything tonight, but... Ha-ha, <laughs> <laughs> surprise. <laughs> Boo. Uh, let me give you an example. <laughs> let me give you an example. You know, we can roll like this. This is, this is, we can roll like this. It's going to be good. Don't get nervous. Amen. Let me give you an example of this idea of impartation changing a life. We talked about Adam. Let's talk about Jesus and Peter for a second. How many of you remember who Peter was? You remember, you remember, <laughs> do you ever watch Peanuts? You remember, you remember Peanuts? You remember how Lucy would always call Charlie Brown a blockhead? Charlie Brown, Chuck, you're such a blockhead, she would say. Peter was the blockhead of the disciples, okay? Yeah, I know, I said it in church. I'll talk to him about it when we get to heaven. Peter was the one who always seemed to do the wrong thing, right? Hey, Jesus, look at me, I'm walking on water. Oh, no! <laughs> right? Right? Jesus, I love you. I'll never deny you. I don't know who, I, know, I don't know him. I'm not, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Peter was the one who seemed to need the most TLC with Jesus, right? He's the one that just seemed to need the most, you know, he was the most, uh, what's, the, what's the phrase that I'm trying to think of? Uh, no, not eccentric. That is a good word, though. Um, high maintenance. High maintenance. That's what it was. Although dysfunctional works pretty well, too, yeah. Peter was the most high-maintenance of the group. He was the blockhead. And he has this amazing encounter with Jesus where God does something cool. God imparts something to Peter. This whole concept we've been talking about, God imparts something to Peter's life. And watch what it does. I'm going to read to you Matthew 16, verses 13 through 19. Don't put it on the screen. I just want you guys to listen to it for a second. This is from the Message Bible. This is amazing. When Jesus, just look up here. I'm, I'm going to tell you a story, children. <laughs> I 
when you hear the page, when you hear this sound, turn the page. <laughs> this is the story of Jesus and Peter. When Jesus arrived in the village of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, what are people saying about who the Son of Man is? They replied, some think he's John the baptizer. Some say Elijah. Some say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So he pressed them. And how about you? Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus came back. God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of books or from teachers. My father in heaven, God himself, let you in on this secret of who I really am. And now... I'm going to tell you who you really are, who you really are. You are Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. And that's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom, keys to open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth, earth and heaven. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven. A no on earth is a no in heaven. Oh my God. Oh my God. Do you see the result of an impartation? God imparted to Peter a revelation of the identity of Jesus, and Jesus got so excited that Peter had gotten an impartation, he decided to change his identity. Look at it one more time. Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus came back. God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of books or from teachers. My Father in heaven, God himself, let you in on this secret of who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you are. <laughs> Come on, man. Peter saw who Jesus really was, and then Peter got to see who Peter really was. How does impartation change you? It establishes you. What does it establish you in? Your identity. Who God says you are. If you are a son of God, you've got a right to expect God to meet you tonight. Glory to God. <laughs> I'm going to tell you who you really are. You're Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I'll put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. Wouldn't you say that over the last 2,100 years, that scripture has been proven as true? The, listen, everything under the sun has come to try to stop the church, and we just won't die. It's awesome. And that's not all. <laughs> that's not all. Look what else an impartation will lead you to. You will have complete and free access 
to God's kingdom. Didn't we talk about access tonight in prayer school? Yeah, I think we did. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom, keys to open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth, earth and heaven. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven. A no on earth is a no in heaven. Lord, can I have some healing? Yes on earth, yes in heaven. Heaven and earth agrees. Guess what happens? Healing. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Did you ever go to a parade and the people are throwing candy? Just, just here you go. <laughs> Do you all not attend parades? (laughs) We go to the 4th of July parade in Boone every year, and we will until I die or Jesus comes back, whatever happens first, because my wife loves that parade. Amen. But they throw candy out every time, all the time. They just, and it's cheap candy too. It's not the good stuff. They just, you know, it's those like, it's those pink Tootsie Rolls that nobody really wants, you know, just like, (laughs) here you go. We wanted to give you a chore. Here, here, here you go. Guess what you're going to find in your car three weeks from now. Here, here you go. Hope your kids don't get into this. That's heaven's attitude, man. Freely you've received. Freely give. You got free and complete access to everything that heaven has tonight, and it's because there's been an impartation made on the inside of you. Your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. Your spirit came alive to God the moment you said yes to Jesus. You're no longer that old creation. You're the new man. You're the new woman in Christ, and you have a right to stand before God and say, Lord, I'm here with some expectation. I'm here with some hope, and I know you're going to going to do what you said you would do because you don't lie. You can't lie. It's not in your DNA, Lord. Amen. You see, this weekend is about two things. It's about encounter, have an experience with God, just like, just like Peter had with Jesus. Peter had an experience with Jesus. You know who else had an experience with Jesus? Well, lots of people, but Paul had an experience with Jesus. Isn't it funny that two apostles had two different distinct encounters with Jesus, and both times he changed their name? Isn't that interesting? He changed Peter's name from Simon, Jonah's son, to Peter, God's son. Just like that. Wasn't that cool? Not only did he change Peter's identity, changed his family line, changed his heritage, gave him a new family tree. Hey, Simon, I got an idea. You used to be the son of Jonah. Now you're Peter, son of God. By the way, you come from an, ex- an excellent breed. <laughs> Nobody in your family has ever messed up. No, everybody in your family heritage is flawless. <laughs> I mean, I want to tell you, when you got, when you got born again, it, it, wasn't, it didn't just start with you. It's a continuation of God's lineage. So your dad, hey, he created the universe. Hey, your dad created the universe. Your big brother died on the cross for you, saved you. The Holy Ghost now lives on the inside of you. It's a fixed fight, man. It's a fixed fight. You got everything going for you. 
Did you ever meet one of those people, you know, like the most likely to succeed in the, in the, in the yearbook? Like these people just have everything going for them. You have everything going for you tonight because of who your dad is, because your family lineage is flawless, because nobody in your family's history has ever messed up or made a mistake or lost a battle or lied or, or bent the truth or did anything out of the ordinary of perfection. <laughs> That's what happens when you meet Jesus. When you have an encounter with God, it changes everything about you and about your life. So Peter had an encounter with Jesus and got changed. My daughters are here. Hi. Hello. I love how they don't want anybody to see them. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Peter had, a, Peter had an encounter. I'm almost done. Peter had an encounter with Jesus. Paul had an encounter with Jesus. He met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And he saw Jesus. He saw Jesus in a different way than what Peter saw Jesus. When he saw Jesus, Jesus had already risen from the grave. So he saw the glorified Jesus. And it so stunned him that the Bible says he fell backwards. He fell on his back. And, and the only thing he could say is, who are you, Lord? I imagine Peter must, or Paul must have sounded pretty mousy in that moment. Who are you, Lord? Who are you? He said, I'm Jesus who you persecute. I had a Bible school teacher tell me one time that in that phrase, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, Paul got the revelation, the whole revelation for the new creation. Because Paul was not persecuting Jesus. He was persecuting the church. So Paul understood in that moment that when you touch the church, you're actually touching Jesus. So as to say that the identity of every person in the church is the identity of their big brother Jesus. That was an impartation. He was no longer Saul. Now he was Paul. Got a brand new family line. That's why when you go to Philippians chapter 3, I'm trying to close. <laughs> Famous preacher, last words. That's why when you go to Philippians chapter 3, don't go there. I'm just telling you, write it down for later. That's why when you go to Philippians chapter 3, Paul lists all of his accolades and all of his natural accomplishments. I was, I'm, I'm born of the tribe of Benjamin, but I circumcised on the eighth day, a Pharisee of Pharisees, concerning zeal, you know, uh, head and shoulders above everybody else, concerning the law, perfect, blameless. I'm amazing, yet I count all of these things as poop. <laughs> the old King James says dung, but really, poop. He said, you know what? In that moment when I saw Jesus and my identity shifted and I got an impartation because of my encounter with him, I got established into a new family and my old family heritage stuff, not important anymore. My new family so much better than my old family. Even though my old family was perfect in earthly standards, I was the best kid in Hebrew school. Yay, good for me. You know what? That doesn't mean a hill of beans in the kingdom because now I'm God's son. 
He changed my name from Saul, and he changed it over to Paul. And here we are, baby. I got a revelation of how good God is. I got a revelation that my identity is tied to Jesus' identity, and I am one spirit with him. My desire for you today is that you be so convinced that Jesus is God and that he has good things for you so that when you experience him this weekend, you'll be ready to receive everything that he wants to impart to you. I want to set the tone in our hearts for tomorrow morning and tomorrow night and Sunday morning and Sunday night. I'm so sad for the people that are going to start coming tomorrow that missed tonight. Because there's momentum that's building on the inside of you. If you can just for a second get out of your own way, get out of your own head, and recognize Jesus is good and he's God and he loves you. And he wants to meet you so that he can impart something to you. So the only thing he's asking for you to do this weekend is to expect the impartation. Expect that it's going to come. This weekend is about two things. Experiencing Jesus and impartation. When you leave Sunday night, you will be established I declare it in Jesus' name. I prophesy over you whether you like it or not. You will be established in the things of God. Why do you think we say every time I get up to preach except for tonight because I forgot to, we say, we say today I'm growing in the things of God. Y'all, y'all know that confession we make? Today I'm growing in the things of God. There it is on the screens. Look at these guys. They're so good. Amen. Why do we say that? Because you're being established. Every time you come in here, you get another impartation. You get another word. You get another revelation. You get another little something from the Spirit of God. And that little something and that all those little somethings oh, every week are establishing you. So now, Mr. Peer, Mrs. Peer, when the wave of the enemy's attack hits you, guess which one breaks? Guess which one gets busted up? It's not going to be you. It's not going to be your family. When tragedy strikes, it's not gonna, you're not going to fall to a trillion pieces because you're so strong in who God's made you to be. We hope that this message inspired you and filled your heart with faith. If you would like to visit our church, check out www.highcountrychristian.com for service times and location information. Thanks again for listening to this audio presentation from High Country Christian Church, where Jesus loves you. We love you and your life counts.